Hello and welcome. You're listening to Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. My name is Grayson and this episode is entitled Profession and Purpose, a panel discussion on the professionalization of emergency management. In this episode, we'll be continuing the conversation around the ongoing attempts to professionalize emergency management and discussing why this topic matters, where we are right now, what barriers we continue to encounter, and what the road ahead might look like. On the panel, I have the pleasure of speaking with Tarina College, Carolyn Dumbeck, Jack Lindsay, Josh Morin, and JJ McIsaac as they tell us what they are doing to further the cause. All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast, Current, Relevant, Canadian. I have heard emergency management often referred to as a young profession. Others would say it is not a unique profession at all, but an industry or a field of practice which includes many discrete specialties and professions, much like the healthcare industry. Yet others would say it is more like a skill set or an approach, such as project management, which is applicable to many different settings. Clearly, there is still a great deal of debate on what emergency management is and what it should be in the future. Luckily, our panel guests, which include representatives from the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada and the Canadian Risk and Hazards Network, or CRHNet, are actively working on the issue, so much so that I'm going to start this episode by asking you to help them. At the time of recording, uh, this team had just released an emergency management core competency survey, which I hope this episode will convince you is a small but important step towards professionalization. It takes about five to ten minutes to complete. It closes December 31st, 2023, and the link can be found, amongst other places, in the show notes of this episode and on our LinkedIn page. Please do take a moment to be heard and fill out the survey. But enough of that, let's get to this very interesting panel discussion, starting with a round of introductions, not only because it's the polite thing to do, but also because I think it's important that those currently working in emergency management know who it is that is trying to professionalize their job. Hello, everybody. I'm Carolyn Dumbeck. I am a special project lead with emergency disaster management within Alberta Health Services. And I'm also a longstanding member of the International Association of Emergency Managers and hold my certified emergency manager certification. And uh, I'm here today because I am interested in IEM Canada's core competency working group and our strategic plans um, to move this work forward. Hi, I'm Tarina College, Manager of Emergency Management for Fraser Valley Regional District and a Board Director for the BC Association of Emergency Managers. I'm grateful to be a contributing party to this uh, core competency working group and see us grow professionalization. JJ McIsaac, I'm the uh, current Director of Professional Development for the International Association of Emergency Managers in Canada. I sit on the board and I'm also uh, Manager of Projects and Planning for the Emergency Preparedness Team with Nova Scotia Health. Hello, I'm Jack Lindsay. I'm the uh, Associate Professor and Chair of the Applied Disaster Emergency Studies Program at Brandon University. And I've been an emergency manager for about 30 years, the first half uh, in practice and the second half teaching. Hi, my name is Josh Morin. I'm the Director of Field Operations at Alberta Emergency Management Agency. I'm also a casual instructor in Nate's Disaster and Emergency Management uh, Diploma Program. And I've been involved in this initiative for the last year or two and very interested in uh, professionalization of uh, emergency management and, um, you know, the importance of uh, this work in representing our practitioners and our community practice. All right, so now you know who's in the room. And my first question, I think, is for for Carolyn and, and JJ. 
why does this matter? Why does it matter that you're creating a survey? Why should we care? How does it impact uh, the emergency managers who are listening? So the survey was developed to assist with the development of future-focused, unbiased recommendations to support the continued evolution of disaster and emergency management. Um, the survey is looking really to expand on the work that's already been done. We know that a lot of people out there have tried um, and started working on formalizing emergency management in the Canadian context, um, but there's still some work to be done. We want to be able to take the information that we learn and guide training, educational programming, credentialing, and other professional development opportunities, as well as support the development of uh, current job-appropriate titles and career opportunities. Also to advance the field of practice as unique profession and have its own standalone uh, national occupational code uh, that's different and standalone from the first responder or paramilitary origins. And we also want to be able to identify and establish a standard of ethical practice. Thanks, Carolyn. And as you note, um, we're really looking to push forward with this survey, that opportunity for us to hear from all EM practitioners throughout the country to, to get a sense for where do we stand, where are we currently, where do we need to go, and, and what directions do we need to take. Um, from a personal perspective, prior to my, my full-time role in disaster emergency management, I worked as a paramedic for many years in Nova Scotia and was part of that professional development process uh, for that group. And it stands close to me how important professional development is for any group of practitioners who want to take it to that next level. How do we identify these standards of practice, these, these goals and objectives that we need to have as a group in order to establish ourselves and move forward? And we know it's a, it's a long, arduous journey that's going to need a lot of people's help and support, but I think it's valuable. I think it's worth our time, and, and I'm looking forward to working with these and, and others throughout the country as we build this process. So there's quite a lot there. And for those listening, it sounds like what you are hoping to decide as a, a larger group is what we do as emergency managers, what we're paid in terms of the different certifications and uh, and types of education we need, potentially even how we're hired in terms of who can call themselves an emergency manager, how we behave with that code of ethics, and then where we learn from in terms of kind of that uh, body of knowledge. Is that a good summary? It is. And I would add, um, looking at current practitioners, we also want to look at how do we support those who are in the field who may not have that opportunity to have taken part in formalized education, but their experiences, their their the, the valuable uh, things that they bring to the table, how do we still reflect that and ensure that those people who are actively working as emergency managers, get the support they need to feel more confident, supported, and prepared for the roles that they're in today and going forward. So making sure that we're not just building a profession for new students, but for people who are already call themselves professionals in emergency management. Excellent. Yeah, an all-encompassing process. Well, an admirable goal to be sure. Uh, Carolyn, as you mentioned, uh, this has been tried many times before. Maybe over to Jack for this one. Where are we on our journey of professionalization? Uh, what has been tried and, and why aren't we there yet? Well, you know, we're going through a process that so many other occupations have gone through. Uh, you look back into the 50s and 60s, teachers, nurses, social workers, many of those professions were not based on higher education. They were an experience-only uh, profession. 
And then as the higher education became available, uh, it slowly transitioned. And I think we see now with um, teaching and nursing, for example, that uh, we would expect professional in the community to have a teaching degree or a nursing degree. Uh, I think we'll get there with emergency management, but it's going to take time. And, and as JJ mentioned, we have a lot of excellent practitioners with a wealth of experience. And it's that experience which informs the education that the next generation is getting. But we're not we're not alone in this. It It is a process that lots of other occupations have gone through, and it does take time. And part of that time in something that we're looking at in the survey as well is that sense of self-identification, right? That when somebody asks you, what do you do for a living? You feel confident to say, I'm an emergency manager and not, I used to be a paramedic and now I work doing this, or I used to be something else and now I'm doing this. And that is only going to come from the process of higher education, putting out students uh, that are a career of choice and that are going into emergency management because that's the career that they want. Uh, and then working with the experienced managers out there now and building that experience themselves. And, and we will see um, wave after wave, iteration after iteration, getting better and better. And that is sort of the path to professionalization that all the other occupations have taken. Josh, you talked about kind of an ethos and a professional identity before. I don't know if you have anything more to add on that. Yeah, thanks, Grayson. Yeah, I think, you know, further what, what Jack was describing, uh, I think it's always very challenging to reach any kind of middle of the road consensus in defining sort of the shape, purpose, identity, uh, ethos of a broad professional umbrella like disaster and emergency management and articulating uh, to folks in the community um, why that's even uh, relevant and important to uh, to attempt or, or where it's going to be helpful. So, you know, it's especially true in something like this where there's many subsectoral nooks and crannies or sort of, uh, I guess, if you want to call them allied specializations, if you will. Um, you know, if you look for another diverse professional grouping as an analogy, you might look at something like healthcare professions, you know, where there's many processes occurring in the same sort of orbit, but they're distinct areas of practice on a loosely common trajectory. Um, you know, to use the old chestnut that we frequently harp on, physicians, for example, begin with at least a baseline common suite of skills, qualities, and, and so forth, and then they then they specialize. So the important point in that is that they share um, sort of the same uh, direction in their in their mission, or ultimately a focus, you know, on our component of public safety, continuity of society, continuity of its institutions that we deal with in in disaster and emergency management. So, you know, another thing here is that we want to be clear that uh, this isn't at all about uh, you know gatekeeping or anything like that. It's it's not. It's about um, defining that we are under one big tent first of all, but first acknowledging or achieving consensus that uh, such a tent even exists uh, in the first place. And uh, that's really the first step in that component of professionalization associated with heading in the same direction. And uh, that it's uh, you know we're, we're gaining consensus and acknowledgement that it's a legitimate community practice, and uh, and recognizes such. Uh, which will ultimately, you know, serve practitioners, the market, and the public better, and that's really what uh, what the crux of this uh, this work is all about. Yeah, I just wanted to add to that too that we are looking to recognize that not every community needs the same level of qualification for emergency managers. That large cities may have team of people, uh, small communities might have a jack of all trades or somebody who is half economic development officer, half emergency manager. But right now, I think one of the things that I worry about is that students coming into higher education don't necessarily see how that path leads them to this job or that job. And employers, I think, are caught not knowing 
is is 20 years of emergency service experience does that outweigh three years of um, emergency management higher ed and a few years of experience right and part of this process i believe will help us make it easier to link people going into the career whether that's mid-career switch or a career of choice with employers and and having a, a good a good match uh, that's going to be important for us too yeah, just as I listened to Jack, another point that came to mind is, is those uh, post-secondary and diploma and other programs throughout the country that are providing this education, we're hoping that this will also give them an opportunity to create a foundation upon which their curriculum can be developed. So we're, we're not only building the profession, we're also helping to support those people like Jack, and, and I, I do some teaching myself, that we can help to create that opportunity and that foundation for those people entering the, the world. When we talk about those baseline competencies, I just wanted to make sure that we're all clear that we're talking about knowledge, skills, and talent. And although our um, survey and this talk, we keep using the, the word core competency, we don't want to forget that there are capabilities, which is like people's ability to do some of these things, um, and that historical um knowledge from past experiences um, also play a factor when we go out to build a core competency model. So it sounds like we're trying to establish a bit of a framework, at least a starting point for what makes an emergency manager. Why is this such a, a problematic task? What are some of the barriers to doing this and uh, where are we getting stuck along the way? There's, a, there's many challenges, of course, from province to province. We have different legislation. Uh, we don't have a single representative regulatory body across Canada that would identify, define, and describe what it means to be a disaster and emergency management professional. So we certainly have different interpretations. Uh, I think among the sector of emergency management, um, we also have frequent interpretations some might uh, feel like we are the strategic coordination of first responders in a disaster, and others may lean in with a perspective that we are facilitators who understand facets of our organizations in the social spectrum, and that much like Spider-Man jumping from tower to tower in a bad situation, we're yanking with that silk fiber everything that we need right in those heart heartbeats. And so when there's so many interpretations of what it means to be in this profession, how do we ever find that common ground and bring it together in a common baseline? I would add that, that we have political waves and sometimes the progress of being able to move this forward into being an occupation has had its interruptions as a result of national or provincial pol political changes, political ideologies. And there's so many sectors that are represented that that have an emergency management component to them. And so we're kind of like a, a chief finance officer where every organization can have a disaster and emergency management function. But what does it mean when it's in one sector versus another sector? Yeah, I, I like to pick up on that. And the idea of like a chief financial officer is excellent because emergency management can be a profession and we can have professional emergency managers the way we have people with different qualifications within business administration or business consulting. And But at the same time, um, emergency management can be a task that can go all the way through an organization. Um, certainly in big organizations, it's not just the CFO that makes financial decisions. That goes all the way down to line managers or others. I think this is what we're trying to get to, for myself, at least my perspective, is that 
we should recognize that some organizations need a level of expertise comparable um, to what a chief financial officer would do for a larger institution. And other organizations or other communities, it might just be somebody who has an idea of what's going on and enough to meet some base regulatory levels. Um, so it's really about the profession as well as the key practitioners who are what we would call an emergency management professional. Yeah, and I think, you know, on our end of that equation, like the the practitioner end, uh, you know, where we're kind of um, uh, have a history of uh, adding to this confusion ourselves is the fact that historically, uh, you know, the, if you look at the lineage of where disaster emergency management as a profession is evolving from, um, it tends to be uh, sort of long, I'll call them long service career folks uh, doing it as kind of like a, a moonlight career. And it still is to, to a certain extent. And, um, you know, when those people look at credentialing, um, we have sort of an inverted or, or backwards uh, effect in some cases where you have long service, really experienced folks in a profession that um, is peripherally involved in part of emergency management, like the response professions or whatever. And then they go and they pursue a, they might pursue a, uh, like a baseline credential rather than an advanced one. Or you have folks that uh, have strictly academic experience attaining a advanced credential with, without accruing that, that experience. So uh, it's a little bit um, confusing um, when you look at, I guess, as an employer, uh, a candidate and you're trying to weigh, uh, you know, as Jack said, like which which has more weight, like the experience or the or the credential or both or, you know, a little of A and a little of B um, when there is maybe less rigor or rhyme or reason around who at what level in their career is pursuing which credential. And I think that just speaks to um, the ongoing maturation of the profession and, and that'll eventually sort itself out. But uh, it's definitely a factor that makes it, uh, you know, um, confusing for where we should be at with, with respect to this conversation around credentialing versus experience and, and so forth. And, and what should be the baseline standard for uh, emergency managers employed at different levels and different organizations for different purposes. So what I take away from that is that current state is it's a mixed bag of education and, and experience at different levels. And not only do we not know what we're getting, but employers don't know who to turn to to tell them what each of them means and what applicability that might have to their their need. Yeah, and to build off on that, I think it's been really challenging because there are so many groups that think this work is really important and the conversation's really important. And it's been a struggle to gather everybody together. So we have great work that's happening in different areas, different provinces, and we're kind of missing that collaboration within all of these different uh, groups so that we can be one kind of single voice as a emergency managers to move this uh, work forward. So that's one of the things we're really hoping for with this survey is that we're able to reach out to these groups that have done this work and to share the knowledge and experiences uh, that have already kind of come to be. Sure. And that speaks to one of the other barriers, I suppose, is whether we see our occupation of emergency management moving towards being a technical specialty or a profession. And within the sociology literature, that distinction often comes down to the level of discretion in decision making. You know, certainly a aircraft mechanic doesn't just decide how tight or loose to leave a bolt, but we all want our aircraft to be properly maintained by well-trained, well-qualified technicians. 
And that is that is one of the differences. And I feel that even within emergency management, we may see that distribution of, of people who have technical skills to deliver some programming and that being different from others who are looking more at program development or a larger scope, more of a leadership role compared to a service delivery role. But we don't we won't have that until we have enough of a professional body that we can understand that we don't all have to do everybody's job at the same time, that we can specialize and we can start as a, as a new professional and gain that experience based on higher education uh, so that the next generation of emergency managers in like 2050 or 2060 have both. And that's what we saw with teaching and nursing and city planning and so many other professions that have gone through that cycle. It really sounds like we're fighting for societal trust in our trade uh, and regulating that a little bit and, and making sure you know what you get when you hire an emergency manager. So uh, someone once told me any emergency manager can identify barriers, but good ones uh, navigate and remove them. Let's move on to uh, what's next. How do we get from all these barriers and all these stall points to uh, a profession? Who wants to tackle this one? I will. Take another stab at Jack, and I'll, I'll I will name drop here. I was actually having a discussion with Dennis Maletti at one of the uh, hazard workshops in Denver, and he we were talking about this idea of bridging the gap. This this was maybe fifteen years ago, bridging the gap between the academia and the profession, and I I can understand that because. 15, 20 years ago, when programs like the our ADES program or the York program or Royal Roads or the other or Nate um, weren't available. And so academia were sociologists or geographers or others and not emergency managers. I think what we're seeing now is higher education about emergency management being delivered increasingly by emergency management professionals. That's an important shift in how an occupation becomes a profession is when its own members take control of, of the training of the next generation. And it also speaks to a change about the, the types of people we get in, because if we only have the, the police or fire or military academies as our, as our nursery, if you will, um, we'll always get people that first qualified for those kinds of entries. And I know our program is certainly put through people who would never pass a fitness test to get into one of those services or might not have the same mental outlook. I myself, I am a terrible worrier, which makes me fantastic at hazard mitigation work, but I could, I would not want to be in a frontline response sort of role. And I think we need to recognize that a good emergency management profession will have a range of people types um, that have come into it from a range of perspectives. But again, this survey is helping us determine what's that shared common knowledge that binds us together and gives us a voice at the table next to the city planner who's got his own qualification and the city engineer who has their own qualification and the director of social work who has her own qualifications. We need to have that same voice at the table, not just our own, but that of our profession behind us. Which, which is really what's going to be important um, as we move into this unstable future ahead. So it sounds like step one is get emergency managers managing emergency management. Uh, step two, get that diversity of views on what's needed for a common body of knowledge. Uh, and then maybe step three is get our professionals uh, in front of the deciders. Uh, what's, what are the next steps? I'm going to go in order of hand raise. Uh, JJ. 
Hey, uh, just to play off a little bit of what Jack said there, as we see more emergency managers turning to academia as instructors and professors, we're also hopefully going to see an increased number of academic institutions that come out in support of development and uh, provision of programs that can be delivered across the country uh, through, through in-person, hybrid, and online education, because not only do we need to get those voices out there, we need to get those voices supported by recognized institutions that can put the resources in place with them. Uh, and we also need to make sure that it's available through a variety of, of delivery models, particularly in Canada, where we have such a diverse and uh, spread out population. We want to make sure that we can reach that, that potential emergency manager, whether they're in Toronto, Vancouver, or a far-flung reaches of the uh, Canadian Arctic. So we're giving everyone equal opportunity to access this. And, and we're hoping to get that too from the, the survey feedback. What are the issues of, of our urban planners, our urban managers, and what are those that are facing our, our remote and far-flung people? Perfect. So step four, advise a, uh, a curriculum that is delivered by recognized institutions and make it available to new professionals. Awesome. Tarina. The word trust is jumping to mind as I'm listening to my colleagues speak. And I think it's really important that we move into a world where when you refer to a disaster and emergency management professional, that comes with trust. We've seen no shortage of uh, memes, Halloween costumes of FEMA guy wearing his tack pants and collared shirts. There's no shortage of public presentations, spokespeople that wear a uniform. And we're not all people who wear uniforms, but oftentimes because across the landscape of Canada, our public and our hiring organizations don't understand what it means yet to be a disaster and emergency management professional. We may be the voice of the spokesperson, but we may not actually be the one delivering those key messages to our constituents and our partners and stakeholders. And we may be taking a, a backseat to someone who has a uniform that comes with a natural sense of high trust. And so it's really important moving forward as we're looking at professionalism to understand that it, it does matter to be a disaster and emergency management professional. And that if we're speaking to, to our audience, we're compelling our constituents or our, our organization members to take necessary actions to be prepared or to respond or to recover, that that isn't tied solely to, to a uniform and that it, it matters and it's trusted that we come to the place that we're in, in our organizations with the most appropriate skill set and knowledge and abilities to be able to do the job in the moment of a response, but also to build the empire or the framework in preparedness mitigation and then also through recovery. Well said. Uh, sounds like step five is to protect who can use the title emergency manager and get those people in front of uh, the deciders a little bit more and, and kind of control who can steal our work. Maybe I'm misinterpreting those, that. Does that mean certification? I think that depends on the voices. And, and I think we're really leaning deep into the survey to understand what the people doing the work uh, want to see over the course of time. Yeah, I think on the, the certification piece, Grayson, to your question there, um, you know, one of the one of the criticisms I think we all hear uh, around certification for disaster and emergency management is, is that, you know, there's a perception that it confers no benefit on the uh, on the individual. Right. So if one of the end states around this kind of research and, and this work that we're doing is, is around, you know, licensure, uh, you know, 
things that affect the ability to practice, employment standards, all that stuff. And, and we don't even know yet. We haven't ascertained whether there is an appetite in the community for anything like that, or if people consider it to be um, too constrictive. When this professionalization process does get there, uh, 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road where we're looking at something like, you know, uh, uh, a professional association that has some, uh, I guess, um, regulatory aspect or a college of emergency managers or something like that, or, or whatever disaster emergency management is referred to in the future. Um, it's important that uh, it is sort of uh, uh, inherently interdisciplinary and represents um, all of the, the different facets of the broader profession. You know, if you look at something like um, the, the most developed, um, you know, provincial, territorial or, you know, state emergency management offices, there's people in those organizations that uh, will never do what the person across the hallway does and doesn't necessarily need to have the same technical competencies, at least, that, uh, you know, their, their colleagues that fulfill a different function do. In these organizations, you have, you have recovery specialists, you have operations people, you have, um, you know, people that work on disaster risk reduction, climate science, all this kind of stuff. They don't necessarily, um, as, you know, other folks on the, on the panel have mentioned a number of times, um, have to have the same detailed and granular technical skills. But the idea here is to um, start a conversation about a way to build representation from a community of practice, acknowledging that it, it may be uh, diverse in, in their in people's individual outputs and, and roles within that larger um, system, but uh, you know it's it's to find uh, those commonalities and like uh, you know to to me like what I'm interested in is things like common values, common ethics in an organization or profession, that kind of stuff, and um, it has to start with um, with conferring with the community of practice, which is the intent of. Uh, these uh, early steps of, of surveying the community practice, uh, an appeal for participation in, in this work, that kind of thing. So if I'm summarizing this into maybe step 5A, uh, we need to make sure that certification is useful and representative of the broad variety of, of skill sets and capabilities that we have. And we need to demonstrate that value of certification, not just to the emergency manager, but to the public and show that it is useful to get a certified emergency manager or whatnot. And then uh, the kind of step 5B, I guess, in there sounded like whoever ends up controlling that certification or that registration or, or whatnot better be the right people. It better be reflective of what we need in Canada or in your jurisdiction or, or whatnot. Yeah, we were talking about a bit of a path forward of how to utilize this work. And I think... Uh, I've been part of these conversations for probably close to 10 years. And, and that's been probably one of the, the challenges. They've been conversations, they've been great ideas, and we've really challenged with getting some traction to move this forward. So when we group together with CRHNet and IEM uh, Canada and the professional development group, this was the first time that we kind of took a pause at that conversation. And we really looked at some, you know, the project management type fundamentals um, and, you know, what do we need in order to move this work forward? So we really looked carefully at developing a work plan and ensuring um, that we engage with our partners to make sure that the we validate the work that we're doing and that um, we don't just, you know, this small group of us determine um, the outcome and actions of whether or not we become, you know, professionals. Um, 
So I think that's kind of, I'm hopeful that that will be something that will um, help us move this work forward um, uh, successfully. So it sounds like uh, you basically unify that diverse and sometimes disparate group uh, or groups of emergency management agencies and associations and and uh, institutions to gain consensus and engagement on how to move forward. Uh, JJ. As I listen to it all, I also think that uh, one of the things we need to keep in mind is in addition to the public, other members of the profession at various levels, we also all need to come together and work towards the, the goal of getting that political will in place. Our, our legislative leaders at provincial and federal levels need to get behind this. They need to support us. Uh, we need to have that uh, in place so that we know that the work we do is is going to uh, become established and rooted as a process for the for the entire country. Step eight, gather that political will and the authority. So get someone with a big stick on our side. I think that's going to be really important. Uh, Tarina, you're next. And I'll warn you that step 10 has to be do it. So you're the last step in this this contrived step 10 or 10 step process. Maybe it's going to be a 10A and a 10B. So I think I'll set us up with uh, Carolyn able to close us out with 10B. I think it's really important to understand that this isn't about a brand. You know, we introduced ourselves at the top of the, the meeting. This is a partnership between CRHNet and IAM Canada, but it's a partnership on the project. And so this survey is really phase one of a multi-phased approach. Being able to apply project management principles to understanding this has set us up, up with uh, deliverables or achievables, things that we can tangibly accomplish and ways that we want to gather and, and use that information, recognizing that this isn't about a brand identity about either of the partner organizations sponsoring this project. It is about the voices of those of us doing the work. And we can't bring a voice of commonality without the voices of the people who are doing the work. So our aim is just a call to action. And um, I'll, I'll throw that right over to Carolyn to uh, close us out. Thank you. Yeah, so our survey is available uh, through LinkedIn and social media um, and the Canadian Risk Hazard Network, as well as the International Association of Emergency Managers Canada, and will be posted uh, on the Epic Podcast webpage as well. Perfect. Well, there you have it. We've got our step-by-step our -step process all figured out. Uh, no, there's a lot more work to do, of course, and I think I really applaud the work that you're doing. Uh, with this survey to get that sort of engagement and that variety of opinions across a rather large and diverse and uh, sometimes disagreeing group of emergency managers. So uh, well done. Thank you very much. If you're listening to this podcast, please do fill out the survey. Uh, even if your job doesn't have emergency manager in it, that does not mean you don't have something to say about emergency management and, and how it professionalizes. So uh, please do fill it out. And I look forward to having you all back for uh, that confirmed 10-step process and kind of the next steps for professionalization for emergency management in Canada. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. And thanks, Grayson, for giving us the time when we need it to get the survey promoted. You've been listening to Epic Podcast, a product of Emergency Preparedness in Canada, Inc. As always, Epic Podcasts are designed as a supplementary educational tool for the emergency management professional on the go. The views and opinions explored during this podcast do not necessarily represent the agencies or organizations that we or our guests may belong to. For more information about the show or the people on it, visit our website at epicpodcast.ca, connect with us on LinkedIn, or follow us on Twitter at username epic underscore underscore podcast. 
Stay tuned for more on the next episode of Epic Podcast. Current, relevant, Canadian.